you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hey everyone, welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong, and now recording from our homes or not our homes, <laughs> and now recording from various places in California, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Helen. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. I couldn't help but notice that your intro is a little bit different because we are not recording from our homes in Los Angeles. I am, but uh, where are you? You seem so different. I am different. not recording from my home. We're, uh, so listeners, if, if, the record, if my recording sounds a little bit different, it's because I am in a we work because uh, as many of you know, I have a nephew in my life who is very, very sick and poor little thing is just wailing and crying. And I thought I'd be able to do it in my house, but it got to the point where I was like, this is not going to work. So I hightailed it to my local WeWork and um, I'm in a WeWork conference room and I had to turn the AC off. So it's about a thousand degrees in here. <laughs> So you're welcome, listeners. I'm sweltering in a rando WeWork conference room mm -hmm. for you. And if it sounds a little bit different, I apologize. But this was preferable to a screaming two-and-a-half-year-old in the background. Yes. Well, uh, I'm... I'm well, I'm sure we all hope that uh, your little nephew is recovering uh, quickly and quietly. Uh, it is good to know, though, if we need it, though, we have a giant whiteboard behind you should we need to do some brainstorming. Yes. <laughs> well, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they may not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who was up first. She is a scholar, activist, curator, and Pulitzer Prize-winning contributing critic at large for the New York Times. It's Salamisha Tillett. Hello, Salamisha. Hi, how are you? I'm so well and so happy to meet you. Now, you are the Henry Rutgers Professor of Africana Studies and Creative Writing at Rutgers University, Newark. So uh, should I call you professor? Should I call you doctor? You do have a doctorate as well. What do you prefer? Professor or Salamisha is fine. But professor, I guess if you're going to, but Salamisha is also fine. I mean, if I could legitimately get people to call me professor, I definitely would do it. Okay, so well, we'll yeah, right. okay professor. Well, professor, in addition to all the things that uh, Helen mentioned, you also are the co-founder of A Long Walk Home, which is an art organization that empowers young people to end violence against girls and women. You're the executive director of Express Newark, a center for socially engaged art and design. You also are an award-winning podcast host and producer for your amazing series about Anita Hill. But I've got to start by asking you about the Pulitzer Prize. You won a Pulitzer Prize uh, just last year for criticism. And that prize, if I'm, if I'm understanding correctly, it covered work as varied as your discussion of movies, your opinions about the Oprah interview of uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, and then uh, more serious stuff like George Floyd. Um, I got to ask, what is it like to win a Pulitzer? 
Well, most days I forget that I've won a Pulitzer, so uh-huh. uh, oh, you know. So I have no, no, no idea. No, girl, you gotta you gotta put that right in front of like 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 tape a post it to your laptop. Yeah, and just be like, mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds That's like an right. affirm a good affirmation to make. It's I, true. I, I am enough, true. and I won a Pulitzer. Yeah, no, it's true. But I'm really, really, really just deeply grateful and honored, and feel like I'm a part of a really special, obviously, tradition of writers. And I understand that you actually found out about it before other people did. Well, if you work for a newspaper you find out earlier so they can fly you in. So What was it like to keep that secret then? Oh my God, it was impossible. And it was also Mother's Day, so I just didn't call anyone. <gasps> I was like, I'm not going to call anyone to wish them happy Mother's Day because I have this other big secret that trumps Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to keep it to myself and yeah. then the world will those, find out. Th- yeah, Those would be hilarious Mother's Day call. Like, hi, mom. <laughs> I know. Well, also, people were calling me and they were complaining about stuff and I was like, I can't listen to this today. So, you know, I was a pretty, I was a pretty bad friend to a lot of people. That day. <laughs> I can't relate to this anymore because I'm a Pulitzer winner. Uh, uh, the the prize comes with a cash prize. I'm curious uh, how you use that. Did you earmark that for anything special? Oh, uh, I should have. No, but it comes with a really, really beautiful uh, Tiffany's um, kind of crystal as well. So mm-hmm. that I have. Um, been able to frame in a really beautiful way and the money i'm pretty sure i just used to you know pay off debt or something of some sort yeah. but, but in the memo with the check you wrote pulitzer pulitzer prize yeah yeah pulitzer yeah. prize uh you gave the commencement address this year at moore college art and design uh, what was that experience like for you so it was really beautiful just to like speak to a group of artists in this moment in which we're not sure you know higher ed is under so many attacks and to see artists whose parents have spent so much money sending them to art school, but are filled with so much optimism and hope. I really wanted them to leave at least that experience in that school with a sense that our future is not just dependent on them, but that we believe in their vision for change and hope and, and justice. So I tried to convey that as effectively as I could. Well, something that you said in that speech really stood out to me. You said artistic collaborations are both the blueprint and the bedrock to making our country more inclusive, more diverse, and more beautiful. Can you say more about that? Why why do you think artistic collaborations are the key to that? Well, I think, you know, collaboration often is a moment when one or two or more artists come together who have their own experiences, their own histories, oftentimes their own styles, and then they create something new. Um, And they have to figure out how to be in harmony with each other. And they have to find a a new language to perform. um, And they have to sacrifice. And so when Mm. we're in this hyper-partisan moment that requires all of us to kind of give something of ourselves in order to live out the dream of democracy or even Mm. to believe that democracy is something that's worth fighting for, well, collaboration, I think, is a model for us. We often think of political coalitions, but Mm. I think the artists have oftentimes figured out a way to work with each other that doesn't necessarily dilute their power, but also figures out like that they can be their best selves if they're in harmony with each other. That's so interesting. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. But yeah, politics really can be an act of creation as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Or, you know, destruction, depending on who's yeah, doing but I said can. <laughs> I said can be. It can yeah, yeah, be. We sometimes yeah, yeah. forget that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know one of the projects that you're working on now is a book about the singer and civil rights icon Nina Simone. Uh, and I understand this is not just going to be a biography or a critical look, but really about how she changed you as a person. Um, I was trained as an academic. My first book is what we think of traditional literary criticism. But I really wanted to write a book that more people would read. And so I had this like great idea. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to write this book on Nina Simone. And so a lot of um, my last 10 years has been reinventing myself as a writer in order to tell her story 
um, more oh, wow. clearly and more passionately. And so she's an artist who reinvented herself many times. So I guess she's inspired me to do so. Um, it's a journey of me and uh, finding the different women that have also shaped Nina Simone. So I have a chapter on Billie Holiday or a chapter on her mother or mm. I have a chapter on Lauren Hill, like the people that she's influenced. So mm. wow. it's really, and that's also like a reinvention because that wasn't how the book was sold. But that's what the book has become. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, quite a journey. And I, I feel really um, grateful to have been on it for, for this period of time. Well, it sounds very exciting. Last thing I want to ask you about, as a Pulitzer Prize winning critic, how do you think the show is going so far? Oh, it's... <laughs> Uh, you know, I've had to analyze it. No, it's going well. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Jay, Keith, Jay Keith, why did you even ask? <laughs> well, this is why we edit the show. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Salamisha Tillett. Thank you. Professor, I should say, and Dr. Salamisha Tillett. <laughs> Helen, against whom will Professor Dr. Salamisha Tillett be competing? He is an iconic comedian, actor, best-selling author, and educator. It's Yakov Smirnov. Hello, Yakov. Hi, great to be with you guys. Oh, it's so wonderful to meet you. Um, I believe I could ask you the same question that I started with Salamisha because you also have a doctorate. You also uh, have been a professor. Uh, should I be calling you Professor Dr. Yakov? Yes. Please. Okay. Wow. Wow. Uh, she was. She hesitated. I am not hesitating. <laughs> We're amongst doctors. Yeah, I believe this might be our first doctor versus doctor episode. So that's uh, that's quite a feather in our caps. Um, you also had something in common with uh, Dr. Tillett. You also uh, studied at Penn. Yes, I uh, got my master's degree at the University of Pennsylvania, and it was on positive psychology. I was part of their inaugural program for uh, that master's degree. For anyone who's my age or around my generation or, or older, you, know, you can't think of comedy uh, in the 1980s. Like if you if you asked anyone when I was growing up, name a comedian, within the first few names was going to be Yakov Smirnoff. I mean, talk about iconic. I remember specifically your performances on The Tonight Show. I rewatched your first appearance just the other day and you destroyed. What, what, what did it feel like to kill on Johnny Carson's Tonight Show. It's just hard to describe mm -hmm. the feeling that you're you're standing there behind the curtain and they're about to say your name and your heart is about to fly out of your yeah. heart and, <laughs> yeah. and out of your chest. And then Carson called me over, which is very also very unique yes. uh, wow. for a first-time comedian. And I sat down and I said, you know, in America, you have things we never had in Russia like policemen's have warning shots. Right. <laughs> and Carson almost fell off the chair. Yes, I, I really yeah. encourage our listeners to watch that clip. I mean, you, you, Carson loved to laugh when he loved comedians, but he oh, yeah. rarely had a genuine yes. bold over belly laugh moment like he did yeah. then. You know, people say, oh, it changes your life overnight. Was it really like that for you? It adds a lot. So there was a producer that didn't like me and uh, didn't think that Carson is going to like me. Hmm. And so for six years, I was trying uh, to get on. And he, last time he saw me at the comedy store, he said, Yakov, let's just be frank. Uh, you get on that show when the hell freezes over. <laughs> I have this formula, intention, attention, and no tension. Mm -hmm. And so intention is to get on the show, Attention is to get producer to see you, and then you got to have no tension about it. Mm. That, that's mm. very hard, very mm. hard to do. But yeah. once, 
once I kind of let go, all of a sudden Carson saw my Miller Lite commercial and said to to the producer, why why don't we have Yaakov on? He's funny. And the producer said, yeah, we were about to. (laughs) (laughs) Hell started getting a little chilly that day. Yeah. Yeah. And and so uh, after my set, uh, he came over, the producer sat between me and Carson and said, can you do another set like this in a couple of months? And I said, when the hell freezes over. (laughs) (laughs) And you ended up being one of the, one of his favorite regulars. Yes. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Well, in addition to your work as a performer, uh, I know you also work as a fine artist. You've got this new project about bringing art into the metaverse called the Cubaverse. But people also may not realize that they're already familiar with your art. Uh, There's a very interesting way that people saw your art in a very big way uh, in New York. Tell the people about that. Well, after 9-11 happened, I actually was sworn in as as an American citizen at the Statue of Liberty ceremonies. Mm. on Ellis Island. So all of the footage that we saw was coming from the same angle that I saw it when I was was sworn in, which was like the the best moment of my life. And Mm -hmm. there is the worst moment of my life. So I was compelled immediately to to use my art as uh, just to help myself to kind of deal with it and and created an image uh, in my mind that represented the American spirit. And it w- was uh, with the uh, Statue of Liberty on the front ground and where the towers used to be, I put huge American flag shape of a heart coming out of the ashes. And I had this vision, it needs to be a mural at the ground zero. I reached out to union workers, steel union workers. And I said, can you meet me at that building? And I flew in and uh, they they showed up and they were really upset with me wanting to do something there because they said, you know, we hate this place. Mm. And then they saw the mock-up of what I did and they and I and they got quiet and and they said, "Okay, we'll do it." And I said, "How much do I need to pay you?" And they said, "Nothing." Mm. Uh, 50 people showed up on Saturday. Wow. Yeah, and and put it up. It was 200 feet tall by 135 feet wide. Wow. 12-story building. It was a front of that. And it and, got up in time for the anniversary. And so when the president was there speaking and it was all in the news, millions and millions of people saw it. Amazing. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Jakob, you're so tenacious. You, <laughs> you, that, yeah. yeah, but it was intention, attention, and no tension. When I was about to give up, I, I was like, okay, it's not going to happen. It happened. So. Wow. Well, we're certainly happy that you gave us your attention today. Dr. Yakov Smirnov, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. You're All right. Welcome. Dr. Professors Tillett and Smirnov, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work that you know and love. Salamisha, you said that you know and love the Nadal-Federer tennis rivalry, the Donovan McNabb era of the Philadelphia Eagles, and Beyonce slash Rihanna. Whereas yeah. Yakov, you said that you know and love the Canary Islands, the science of love, and the movie Crazy Stupid Love. 
Later on, we'll ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect or incomplete answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, make some noise. First up is Salamisha. Salamisha, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? It's from J.R. Mulhall from Orlando, Florida. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. All right, your question from JR is, while they both help you make noise sound better, what's the difference between sound editing and sound mixing? Sound editing and sound mixing. Uh, Sound editing is... um maybe chopping up and putting things together to make a Mm -hmm. new, to complete something. And sound mixing is blending, incorporating, bringing new things in um, and mixing it up. And mixing it up. It's right there in the title. All right, we've got Salamisha's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. Yakov, you don't think she got it just right. You can steal. What do you think? Anything you want to add or change? I think I would summarize it the same way. It's splicing. Uh, is editing, is splicing, mm-hmm. and cutting it together from different angles. Okay. And and sound mixing would be blending in the sounds to make it look organic. Okay, sounds very similar. Well, it's time to edit this segment. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Sound editing is the process of selecting each sound for a recording and putting it in the right place. Sound mixing then takes that placement of sounds and adjusts them, usually by changing the length or the volume to create the final cut or mix that we hear. Uh, That's right. Now, in movies, the Academy Awards used to have separate categories for best sound editing and best sound mixing, but since 2020 have combined them into the Oscar for best sound, which doesn't sound sound to me. Helen, how did our guest do? (sighs) Wow. Both of you were like sort of in the zone, kind of, maybe. Salamisha, I want to give you one point because you did said chopping up and putting together Mm -hmm. for editing. And then for mixing, you said blending and incorporating, which is not quite correct. Um, I think I'm going to give you one point, Salamisha. One point for Salamisha. Very nice. All right. Up next in Make Some Noise is Yakov. Yakov, while both might make some noise, what's the difference between a yell and a shout? A yell and a shout. Yell is when you are upset. Mm-hmm. with someone and shout is when you're trying to get someone's attention. Someone's attention. You might not necessarily be angry at them. You just want them to notice you. Correct. All right. We've got Yakov's answer. Don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Salamisha, anything you want to change or add? I agree with a lot of Yakov said. Maybe a yell comes from a place of like anger or frustration. Mm-hmm. And a shout may again be... Uh, just a way of communicating loudly to someone else to get their attention or to, if you're in a big crowded area. So maybe it's not, it's maybe, maybe oddly a more objective, a less passionate way of communicating. Whereas a yell seems like it really comes up in a fight or a, mm. a frustrated moment. Got it. All right. Well, this segment is going straight to yell. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. <laughs> Here are the facts. A yell is any loud vocalization. A shout is a loud vocalization of words. 
You might have to yell to be heard, but you shout to be heard and understood. Uh, that's right. Now, yell, as you both noted, does carry the connotation of anger, like when I yell at kids to get off my lawn. But shout is more about raising your voice to be heard in a loud environment, like when I shout at a loud dance club that I want to go home because there are kids on my lawn. Helen, how did our guest do? You know what? I think I'm going to give one point to Yakov because you did say, uh, you know, the anger or frustration. And then I think I'm also going to give half a point to Salamisha because you said, you know, trying to get someone's attention at a club, yelling loudly. So uh, one point for Yakov and half a point for Salamisha. All right. And what's our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Salamisha Tillet has a point and a half, and Yakov Smirnov has one point. Those scores are bound to change, though, as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. You know, sometimes the best gifts are the ones you give yourself. And ButcherBox is here to help you treat yourself to more delicious, wholesome meals. Yeah, ButcherBox takes the guesswork out of finding high-quality meat with humanely raised pork, beef, chicken, seafood, and more delivered right to your doorstep. That's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood delivered right to your doorstep. Boxes can be curated or customized to your taste and come with recipe inspiration guides and more. I use one of those recipes to make this incredible beef dish that I cannot believe I made myself. It tasted like something that came from a restaurant. I never would have thought that I could have done it and done it so well if it weren't for Butcher Box. What about you, Helen? I got a bag of scallops recently, Ooh. and I made buttered, seared scallops, which I was very impressed with myself and I gave some to my very picky next door neighbor and even she was like this is the only thing you've ever cooked well wow (laughs) (laughs) so if you want to get passive aggressive compliments from your neighbors how do you get butcher box Helen sign up today at butcherbox.com slash go fact and use code go fact to get free chicken wings for a year that's three pounds of free range organic chicken wings free in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com slash go fact and use code go fact and that's why we say thank you butcherbox Adorable. <laughs> Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Salamisha Tillett and Yakov Smirnov. Once again, here's Jakey Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Helen. All right, Salamisha, of your many interests, you told us that you know and love the Nadal Federer tennis rivalry, the Donovan McNabb era of the Philadelphia Eagles, and Beyonce slash Rihanna. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why you know and love the Nadal-Federer tennis rivalry. I've been a tennis fan for a very long time. It's a a sport that I've taught myself to understand. Um, Mm. But that's like, you know, that's that's probably the best we're going to see. And for those of us who've grown up watching them play and, and to see these long matches or even short matches where they just kept on challenging each other to be better. It was an adventure to watch them. And I'm sad that they're not here anymore because now, you know, tennis is a little bit different. Well, speaking of competition, you also said that you know and love the Donovan McNabb era of the Philadelphia Eagles. I do remember that era. I don't know mm-hmm. how fact-based my answers will be. but That's all right. Well, tell us about the love of, part. A lot of emotion. A lot of emotion. A lot of emotion. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't, he didn't close it. We didn't win that Super Bowl, but... He tried. he tried. He tried. Well, yeah. yes, love is not always logical. <laughs> yeah. And if you're an Eagles fan until last 
you know, couple of years, it, it's been a, a, a series of heartbreaks. But now, but now you can't say that anymore because they did win a Super Bowl. So you know. <laughs> All right, and then finally, tell us what it is that you know and love about Beyonce slash Rihanna. Yeah, I know this is a little like tricky, right? Like, who doesn't love Beyonce? Who doesn't love Rihanna? Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting to watch these two artists in very different ways dominate pop music. Um, mm. and maybe with Rihanna beyond pop music, kind of doing multiple things at once, like doesn't need to have an album for like what five, six years, but still we see her at the Super Bowl and we see her dominating various industries, particularly mm -hmm. fashion and, and beauty. And then Beyonce is Beyonce. I think she's our greatest living entertainer um, oh, and wow. she's in, a, in a different tradition than even pop music allows her to be. So I'm really happy to live in the era of Beyonce. And so hopefully I know something about her as well. <laughs> All right. Well, to summarize, Salamisha, you said that you know and love the Nadal Federer tennis rivalry, the Donovan McNabb <laughs> era of the Philadelphia Eagles and Beyonce slash Rihanna. Today, we want to quiz you about Beyonce slash Rihanna. Oh, oh, there's some dancing going on. Okay. Well, because I really, I was really hoping it wasn't Don McNabb era. That's so. <laughs> all right. Not gonna, not gonna lie. Me too. Okay. <laughs> Have you gotten a chance to see them uh, perform live before? I've never seen Rihanna perform live. I've actually attended every solo tour of Beyonce's. Oh, okay. So you oh. go back with her. Yeah, uh, and I understand that you've actually taught about them in your classes. I have. I taught a class on uh, Beyonce, uh, Solange, and Jay Z. Uh, mm -hmm. My last class at Penn was on the three of them, which was amazing and very well attended. Um, yes. And then, <laughs> and then I did teach a class. Uh, I, I've incorporated Rihanna and in, in some of my classes on Black women performers. So, do you know how mad I am that I went to college in a time where just this kind of like scholarship was not available yeah. or acceptable or like you know I never when I went to college we there, it would have been unheard of that you yeah. could take a university class on Beyonce. Yeah, I know. it, it seemed to be a lot of dead white guys. <laughs> well, I me too. I mean, I didn't have a class like this, so it was, it's it's been fun to think about how we can teach these people who we consume and listen to and try to have a you know, uh, and we're passionate about, but also understand yeah. them in a larger context, so. Absolutely. Well, just ahead, we're gonna list the help in a bona fide expert in your topic with an expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you'll let a hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Yakov, do listen closely because if Salamisha answers incorrectly, you could steal. By the way, Yakov, how much do you know about Beyonce slash Rihanna? Very little. Uh, so I'm very excited to find out. Okay. Well, uh, we've got a professor here, so uh, <laughs> let's find out together. Salamisha, here's question number one. I have a feeling you might know this one. In 2013, Beyonce performed at an event that over 110 million Americans watched. Ten years later, in February of this year, Rihanna performed at the same event, attracting over 118 million American viewers, the most ever. What annual event has been blessed to host both of these amazing artists? Okay, one, um, well, the, the answer is the, the Super Bowl. But before that, I was like, oh, Barack Obama's inauguration had that many viewers. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, um, is it the Super Bowl? <laughs> yes, yeah, Super Bowl. It is the Super Bowl. It is the Super Bowl. Correct. Very nice. Uh, fun fact, Rihanna was originally approached to headline the halftime show for 2019, Super Bowl 53, but turned down the gig in a gesture of support to Colin Kaepernick. Beyonce was a guest performer also at the Super Bowl 50 halftime show, headlined by Coldplay, where she performed Formation for the first time, which had just been released as a surprise single the day before. Hmm. All right, here is question number two. 
While Beyonce has 32 Grammy Awards to Rihanna's nine, they are tied when it comes to Academy Award nominations with one. Their Best Original Song nominations were for movies honored at the last two Oscar ceremonies. One of these movies is about tennis royalty. The other is a sequel about royalty in a fictional African country. What are the names of either of these films? Oh, God. That's the Serena, t- the Williams sister. Oh, the Will Smith film, I guess. Um, King Richard and then uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Oh, giving us both answers. Helen, is she right? That is correct. That is correct on both of them. Very good. Uh, fun fact, King Richard's nominated song by Beyonce is Be Alive. Black Panther Wakanda Forever's nominated song by Rihanna is Lift Me Up. All right, you're two for two, Salamisha. Here's question number three. Both Rihanna and Beyonce have been featured performers on tracks for other artists, and both have featured other artists on their own tracks. They have often collaborated with the same people, but... Which of the following artists has not collaborated with both Beyonce and Rihanna on a released recording? Is it Drake, Shakira, Mary J. Blige, Nicki Minaj, or Jay-Z? Which has not. Yes. One of them has not collaborated with both of the artists. I'm going to say Shakira. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Shakira has collaborated with both of them. Yakov, a chance to steal. (laughs) <laughs> Who is it, Yaka? I'd say Jay-Z. Helen? That is also not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Reasonable guesses for both of you. Uh, the correct answer is Mary J. Blige. Uh, Beyonce collaborated with Mary J. Blige on Love a Woman, but Rihanna has yet to collaborate with her. Uh, she did, however, present Mary J. Blige with a Lifetime Achievement Award at the BET Awards, where she dressed in an outfit that made her look like Mary J. Blige. <laughs> No point there for either of you. Let's see if you can bounce back with question number four. You do still have your two hints available. Yeah. Yep. Neither Beyonce nor Rihanna really speak Spanish, but that hasn't stopped them from dabbling. Rihanna had a hit with Te Amo, and Beyonce had an entire EP of Spanish-language songs called what? Can I get a hint? Uh, Helen, how about that first hint? It's the Spanish translation of her song, Irreplaceable, and it sounds like it takes place in a plaza. Okay, it sounds like it takes place in a plaza. Mm-hmm. I don't speak Spanish, but is it Ira Plaza? Helen? No. Oh, my God. Not quite. Not no, quite. Not no, I'm quite. terribly sorry. Yes. Yaka with a chance to steal. How do you speak Spanish? <laughs> Oof. Um, I, I was told by my parents, don't steal. So I'm not going. <laughs> You're not going to steal. Wow. That's very, very generous and timely. We were looking for irreplazable. Irreplazable or irreplazable. Uh, Plaza in the middle, Plaza. you were pretty close, but didn't quite nail it. I'm sorry. Uh, Fun fact, one of the songs on the album was commissioned by a TV production company to be used as the theme song for the telenovela series El Zorro, La Espada y la Rosa. Oh, bueno, Jakey. Gracias. (laughs) And yet I do not still know, despite practicing it overnight, how to say Plaza. (laughs) But nevertheless, let's move on to question number five. You still have another hint available. Beyonce and Rihanna have only collaborated on one commercially released song, a 2008 single credited to a vocal supergroup that also included one named stars Ashanti, Fergie, and Sierra, to name just a few. What was the name of that supergroup whose song's proceeds benefited a popular charity? Oh my god, I don't know Beyonce and Rihanna. Can you give me, I, can, I have one more hint, right? And this is you the, do. Last, the last question for me? Yes, this is the last question. question. Okay, yes. so I'll use the hint for this one, I guess. Helen, how about that second hint? They were artists who stood up 
to a disease. What year was it? This was 2008. Okay. Uh, artists who stand up for... Mm-hmm. I keep on thinking it's hunger, but that's not a disease. Mm-mm. So, yeah, no, no, I know. I'm not saying that is my answer. That's all right. <laughs> um, artists who stand up for... Cancer seems like. So what, what would what would that be together? If it were cancer, what would that what would their group be called? Artists who stand up against cancer. Helen. No, I will accept. Oh, I will okay, accept okay. That yes, answer. yes, okay, it's okay. called. Yay. Yay. I will accept it. Yes, yeah. no, they were not standing up. They were not pro cancer. <laughs> yeah, to be no, clear. I was, I was uh, trying. No, no, no. Yeah. The, uh, the actual group is called Artists Stand Up to Cancer. Stand uh, the Up super... too. Okay. Yes, yes. Too. Fun fact, the supergroup also included Miley Cyrus, Carrie Underwood, and Leanne Rimes. Wow. The song is called Just Stand Up, and a live performance of the song was part of a telethon that raised over $100 million for the charity Stand Up to Cancer. Wow. I, I'm yeah. learning a lot. I'm learning a lot. Thank you so much for this experience. Oh, thank you. We can <laughs> we can all learn. It's fun. All right. You did pretty well on that. But now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. Salamisha, it is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Legendary songwriters and producers Tricky Stewart and Kook Harrell have both earned Grammy Awards for their work with Rihanna and Beyonce. Kook Harrell won a Best Urban Contemporary Album Grammy for producing Rihanna's second most recent album from 2012. Tricky Stewart won a Best Dance Electronic Recording Grammy for producing and writing the lead single from Beyonce's most recent studio album, Renaissance. And they both won Grammys for Song of the Year for co-writing the biggest hit single from Beyonce's I Am Sasha Fierce album. For up to three points, what is that Grammy-winning Rihanna album and what are those two Grammy-winning Beyoncé songs? <laughs> um, I know this. Okay, okay, okay. Ugh. I think you got it. I think you got it. So what is that? What is that song called? Break my soul for Beyonce. Break my soul. You're saying is one of the Beyonce songs. What was the other one? The one that the, the last Beyonce one. Then I'll go back. The to last the one was one. It was a one song of the year, and it was from. It was the biggest hit single from I Am Sasha Fierce. Put a ring on it. Put a ring uh, on it, put okay. Put a ring on it, um, and then okay. well, and then we're looking for Rihanna's 2012 album, two albums ago. Um, I can't really think of one right now because now. Oh, I'm okay, no worries. Sorry. Okay, no, so I know you're. So that's right. That's right. Even, prof- even professors can have a little test anxiety. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, great. Helen is taking note of those answers. We've an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. In fact, we have two. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight from Los Angeles and Atlanta are two songwriters, producers, and executives who between them have eight Grammy Awards, many of them oh, for no. work with Rihanna and Beyonce. It's Tricky Stewart what? and Koo Carell. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Hey. <laughs> Hello, Tricky. Hello, Kook. Hey, how, how are, are you guys? So wonderful to have you. Thank you much for joining us. My goodness, the accomplishments that you guys have had in the music business, in addition to the work with Rihanna and Beyonce that we'll talk about, you've had multiple number one hits, multi-platinum records. You've worked with other artists, including Mary J. Blige, who we talked about before, yeah. Celine Dion, Usher, Justin Bieber, Britney Spears, Katy Perry, yeah. Mariah wow. Carey, Janet yeah. Jackson, just to name a few. Ooh. What an incredible uh, career <laughs> wow. you guys have had. Yeah, wow indeed, Helen. That sounds good when you say it like that. I know, yeah, I, love yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm like, I'm, get, I'm starstruck. I'm getting a little high. I know. I, I, I feel like we could have you 
back for for so many episodes. Anytime those artists always come up. Let's what do an it. incredible career. Uh, Tricky, I understand you're in Atlanta. Kook, you're in LA. But uh, before you collaborated, uh, tell us how you two knew each other. Kook and I know each other because we're actually first cousins. Our mothers are yep. sisters, so we didn't have much choice in the matter. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's so incredible. Do you remember the first thing that you wrote together? Ooh. Trick, I'll say this and maybe you could tell me, it was it Be My Girl for uh Immature? Yeah, it was probably it was Be My Girl on Immature. Yeah, that was the first song that we wrote together. Wow. Mm-hmm. You guys have really talented genes. Thank yeah, no you. kidding. I'm from a talented gene pool. Thank you. <laughs> Well, you also have another writing partner that you've often collaborated with, uh, The Dream. How do you collaborate to write a song? Go for it, Trick. Our collaboration process always usually starts with, um, like, whether it's the beat or whether it's... And when I say the beat, I mean the programming of the beat in real time or a piano, maybe mm-hmm. a guitar. Like, and for, like, one of the in one of the instances that, you know, when we did Umbrella, uh, Kook started the beat. And I was on keyboards and Dream was in the vocal booth and it was a collaboration that we actually recorded in real time. And Mm. most of it, it was actually recorded live. And it started with uh, Kook's discovery of Logic at the time. (laughs) Or not even the discovery. He was just going through loops and stuff. Actually, he hit the the iconic... umbrella loop wow we were just kind of vibing and you know so it's different different ways to do it but i think organically is always the best way in the songs that we personally have written uh it's from the ground up just completely unrelated uh that song helped me actually procure an umbrella when i was in france (laughs) i did not know the french word for umbrella and i was trying to get one and i was like under my umbrella they they were like all right all right, all right, I got you. That's yeah. funny. Oh, there it is. Yeah, you never know the impact you're going to have when you're in the studio creating a song like <laughs> That's that. That's for sure. Help the world like that. Well, it's interesting. You know, Salamisha's talked about how she's uh, taught courses uh, that involve the work of Rihanna and uh, Beyonce. Do you guys have a sense of uh, how the work that you've done with them has entered the culture and, and become something uh, that is so important? Most definitely. I mean, it's, it's, it's very humbling to see that uh, stuff that we've come up with together how it impacts not just us and not just locally, but how it, it's literally impacted the world. Like it, those records changed our lives, changed mm-hmm. hundreds of people's lives that were involved in it. But then when you realize that it's just spanned across the globe, it is absolutely amazing. And Coop, you work with so many artists, but how would you say that Beyonce and Rihanna are either similar to each other or different from each other when you're in the vocal recording studio? Their vocal ability is off the charts. That combined with their work ethic of always driving to not not make good things, but make great things to Mm. create great pieces of music that are actually pushing the envelope and actually making a difference within the music industry. And I have to ask one of the songs that uh, that I, one of the songs that Salamisha mentioned. We'll find out if she's correct later. Is of course "Single Ladies Put a Ring on It." Uh, that is a song that you all did. How does a songwriting team, mostly of men, write a song like "Single Ladies"? <laughs> that's the, well, that's um, the genius of Dream, right? <laughs> Dream has a special gift in that way. He literally can live his life in the shoes of an artist and and mm. write mm. the record as if they wrote it literally themselves. And mm. uh, if he cares enough about what the target is he's the best in the business for sure oh my gosh no doubt. like no doubt. i don't i can't 
I, I can you imagine how many women have been like to the left, to the left, like it's just. <laughs> well, that well, that one was written by a man too. I mean, I guess it takes one to know what you need to be doing, you know. Yeah, but that that's what art is as a, as a creative, as a writer, is to to put yourself in and give yourself the empathy to speak of other characters. Absolutely. And uh, I'm curious, you know, your your songs are so ubiquitous. You can't go to a wedding without hearing that song. Love it. Uh, but I would imagine that you, you must have heard your songs in some unexpected places. Anything come to mind where uh, you've heard a song play and been like, wait a minute, that's the one that I wrote? I think when you're in church and hear your songs, like, <laughs> you know, like when you see when you see it going viral and like you see gospel choirs doing like umbrella and stuff like uh-huh. that, I think those are the kind of the some of the mo- the, the biggest things that stick out to me. Yeah. Wow. Well, you both, of course, are still active in the business. Can you uh, tell us what each of you are working on and, and what we might hear next from you? Tricky, why don't you go ahead? Uh, right now, I'm having a lot of fun working with uh, my good friend, Usher. We've been in locked in. He's having a monster comeback year, I feel. The other things that I'm working on is I just launched a new, a new label with Epic Records. I just signed a really exciting group out of the Philippines that I love. They're, well, they're Filipino and they're from Australia, but their name is Horizon. And they're just like in a phenomenal vocal group. And I think there's a need for that. And I think mm. there's a need for the groups to come back. So we're, we're looking mm. at that and signed a young lady named Alice Chater from England that we're really excited about. That's got to be so exciting to, to feel that you have a, a hand in breaking new talent. Well, yeah, that's that's the most exciting part. You know, the the. You know, joining the careers is one type of win, but when you mm-hmm. put up a new tower, it feels a lot different. And so Kook and I, we've been there for a lot of these artists, whether it was, you know, Justin Bieber, Frank Ocean or yep. Dream himself, you mm-hmm. know, to put new talent into the game at a high level where there's something that literally exists because of your contribution always feels just even a little sweeter, you know. Uh, than Absolutely. even getting an A-list uh, cut. Very cool. And uh, Kook, what do you have going on for yourself? Right now, just collaborating with uh, Tricky on one of the Usher records that he's been working on, as well as uh, Money Long. Money Long and I had a uh, yeah. like a monster hit. Uh, what That's been, what, six months, maybe yeah. almost a year now, called uh, Hours mm-hmm. and Hours. So it was just like a, a breakout smash. So we're, we're actually working on her album right now, and I'm really excited he about it. He won the, the Grammy for that. that, by the way. Won a Grammy for that, yep. Was that R&B Song of the Year? Yeah, it was Best R&B Song. uh, Yeah, R&B Song of the Year. And then we also won the uh, Soul Train, Ashford and Simpson uh, Best Song Award for that as well. Wow. Yeah. Well, speaking of Grammys, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Salamisha. We wanted to know what was the Grammy-winning Rihanna album that someone named Kuk Harrell won a Best Urban Contemporary Album Grammy for? I know Salamisha was not able to pull an answer for that. No worries, Kuk. What was that album called? Unapologetic. Ah, uh, she's nodding and smiling now. I think you, I think you had that somewhere in your mind, but wasn't able to pull it. No worries. <laughs> Congratulations on that Grammy, of course. I, I, I apologize. Thank you. Oh, no, no, it's all good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Fine. All right. Next, we wanted to know uh, what was the single from Beyonce, the lead single from Renaissance that won the Best Dance Electronic Recording Grammy. Helen, what did Salamisha not only say but sing? Salamisha said, break my soul. And gentlemen, that's it. That is right. (laughs) That is correct. She knew that one. All right. Doing the the dance from it as well. Very nice. Very nice for the point. A big smile from Salamisha. And then finally wanted to know, what did they both win Grammys for, for Song of the Year, for the biggest hit single from Beyonce's I Am Sasha Fierce album? Helen, what did Salamisha say? 
Salamisha said, put a ring on it. And gentlemen? That, that is, is correct. correct. <laughs> yes, the official title, single ladies, in parenthesis, put a ring on it. Some more dancing and ring moves there. Right. Very nice, Salamisha, for the point. Uh, Salamisha, <laughs> while we have our experts here, anything you'd like to ask or say to them? No, I'm just so excited to meet you both. And thank you so much for just making the world so much more beautiful um, and working mm. with these artists to make our lives richer. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank it's, you. it's a great honor. Thank you so thank much. You. It's an honor to meet you as well. Oh, thank you. Yay. Tricky, if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can they do that? Well, if they want to follow me on Instagram, they can go to Tricky Stewart. And if they want to go to my LinkedIn about more things that I'm doing on the business side, they can go to Tricky Stewart on my LinkedIn page. and Or they could go to Sessions.com, which is ultimately our new elevated recording experience here in Atlanta to find out what it is that we're doing and what we're curating for these superstars and for the people that want to feel like stars. Very cool. And Kook, what about yourself? For me, you can follow me on Instagram, official Kook Harrell, and also go to uh, kookharrell.com find out everything I'm working on. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I know you guys have a lot going on. Everybody, it's Tricky Stewart and Kook Harrell. What a treat. Nice to meet you guys. Yay, applause thank all you. around on the Zoom. <laughs> Yay. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Salamisha Tillett has six and a half points and Yakov Smirnov has one point with a round of questions for Yakov coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Yakov about a topic he knows about. Plus later, Salamisha and Yakov will go head to head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Facts Itself. Folks, we get it. Keeping up with an actual play podcast in this economy is a tough sell. That's why we have great news for you. The Adventure Zone is changing up its format. We're going to be doing some shorter seasons, more experimental stuff. There's never been a better time to get on board the Zone. And if you're sick of listening to our voices, we get that too. So we're including some guests uh, on this upcoming one. We've got Kate Welch and Gabe Hicks, who are incredible. And you want us to try out some new games? You got it. We've got the new Marvel Multiverse RPG. We're using that and with a really brilliant GM doing it. It's dad. What he's saying is it's dad. Dad so is doing it. It's yeah. dad doing it. You can listen every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm glad you said that because nobody says that. Can I just say thank you to you for such a thoughtful interview? Oh, my God. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Bullseye. Interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. Listen to the Bullseye podcast only from NPR and Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Salamisha Tillett and Yakov Smirnov. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Helen. All right, Yakov, of your many interests, you told us that you know and love the Canary Islands, the science of love, and the movie Crazy Stupid Love. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why you know and love the Canary Islands. I got to know them after my wife's family uh, moved there from Ukraine after the war started. Oh, wow. I just love the color of the water with the black because it's a volcano mm. island. So black sand and bright blue water and great weather during... The whole, most of the year. Wow, that sounds like a winning combination. Uh, all right, yeah. next, tell us about the science of love and what that means to you. That's one of the reasons I went to Japan and then I got my doctorate at Pepperdine because I wanted to do research on happiness and laughter and hmm. uh, using those markers to continue 
uh, improve relationships. So that's mm. why I'm so passionate about that. So should we be calling you the love doctor? Sure. Okay. Why not? Add, that, <laughs> add that to my title. Yes, yeah. nobody would turn that yeah. down. <laughs> as, as someone who's chronically single, I could use a little scientific explanation <laughs> to, to my I, life, honestly. I can, I can help you. Oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll follow up with that on another episode. Yeah. That's great. All right. And then finally, tell us why you know and love the movie Crazy Stupid Love. I just think it part of it because I'm very interested in that topic mm -hmm. of love and because the movie is funny and, and touching and i find that to be very appealing to me because of all these different stories that then intertwine to make it a, a fun romantic comedy very well said all right, so to summarize, Yakov, you said that you know and love the Canary Islands, the science of love, and the movie Crazy Stupid Love. Today we're going to quiz you about Crazy Stupid Love. Okay. Does that demonstrate uh, the science of love? Do you see that in action in the movie? Very much so. It has a lot of examples that illustrate different kind of relationships mm -hmm. that uh, they portray, and each of those people... Um, have a story that interwines. So yes, very much so. And uh, do you have a favorite scene or favorite line from the film? What comes to my mind mm -hmm. uh, is uh, when uh, Ryan Gosling slaps uh, Steve <laughs> Carell yeah. and says, "Don't, don't ever wear this again." Yes, <laughs> <laughs> really, really anchors the point. Right, uh, right. All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in this topic with a question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love on this, here are five trivia questions, each worth one point. And of course, you are allowed to hint on any two of these five questions. Now, Salamisha, do listen closely because if Yakov answers incorrectly, you could steal. By the way, Salamisha, how much do you know about the movie Crazy Stupid Love? I don't know a lot about it. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll see if uh, Yakov gives you a chance to come in. Yakov, here's question number one. Crazy Stupid Love features performances from some movie veterans, including three Oscar winners, Emma Stone, Marissa Tomei, and Julianne Moore. But it's also the big screen debut of a performer who at the time was best known for his music, including his hit, You Raise Me Up. Who is this talented man who plays Emma Stone's Hannah's disappointing boyfriend and is currently on Broadway in a Tony-nominated role in Sweeney Todd? Is it uh, Josh Groban? Helen? That is correct. Yes, Josh Groban. Very nice. Fun fact, the versatile Josh Groban has appeared on episodes of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Parks and Recreation, and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, all playing himself. All right, here's question number two. In one of the first scenes, Steve Carell's Cal and Julianne Moore's Emily, seemingly in a rut in their marriage, are having trouble deciding what to get for dessert at a restaurant. Cal suggests that they say what they want on the count of three. He says creme brulee, but what life-changing thing does she say she wants? She wants divorce. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Uh, fun fact, according to an interview with Emma Stone, the movie once had the working title Untitled Marital Crisis Comedy that being the marital crisis, a title that she hoped would stick, but for some reason it did not. <laughs> All right, yeah. here's question number three. Crazy Stupid Love is a movie that mentions many other movies, but which of the following movies is not mentioned in Crazy Stupid Love? Is it Dirty Dancing, The Karate Kid, Saturday Night Fever, Twilight, or Saw 3? Karate Kid. Helen? 
That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. No. The Karate Kid is mentioned. Salamisha with a chance to steal. Twilight? Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Uh, Twilight is mentioned. Saturday Night Fever is not mentioned in the movie. Uh, the Karate Kid is mentioned as Ryan Gosling's Jacob Trains Cal on Meeting Women. Uh, Emily says she didn't like the new Twilight movie. Hannah says she TiVoed Saw 3 when she first meets Jacob. And Dirty Dancing is discussed. And its iconic dance leap is recreated during Jacob and Hannah's first night together. By the way, we did a topic on Dirty Dancing on episode 111 of Go Fact Yourself. All right, no point there for either of you, but let's see if you can bounce back with question number four. You do still have your two hints available. As he prepares to seduce Hannah, Jacob prepares a cocktail, which involves muddling a sugar cube with bitters, slicing the peel of an orange, and adding whiskey over an ice cube. What cocktail has he made for her? Um, uh, you do have a hint available if you'd like to use your hand. Oh, yeah. What's the hint? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Helen, how about that hint? It's not a new fangled Old fangled. <laughs> Helen is an old fangled. Not quite. No, I'm terribly sorry. Salamisha with a chance to steal. Yeah, actually, it's my favorite drink. Old fashioned. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Oh. A successful steal. Sorry, only because you said new fangled. Old fangled. Whatever you said. Sorry. I'm I, sorry. I have Yaka. a name Smirnov, but I don't drink. So that's... <laughs> oh, that's how they got you. Yeah. Fun fact, according to Esquire magazine, although many movies get cocktails wrong, Crazy Stupid Love got the old-fashioned, quote, amazingly right. Ryan Gosling took lessons on how to make the drink from Eric Alperin, the co-owner of The Varnish Bar in downtown L.A. All right, here's question number five. You still have a hint available. Steve Carell didn't just star in the movie. It was also the first film produced by his production company. What is the name of that production company? Uh, what's the hint? Helen, how about that second hint? It's not uncommon to see horses, children, or luggage on one of these. Uh, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a wheel. Uh, I don't know the name. Helen, is it a wheel? It is not a wheel. No, I'm terribly sorry. Salamisha, chance to steal. I feel so bad. But should I go for the win, Yakov, or should I just be nice? <laughs> oh, be nice. No, no. Don't, don't be nice. Go for the win. Why not? Um, a carousel? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Carousel Productions. Carousel Productions. You'll see a luggage carousel and then children in painted horses on a carnival carousel. Fun fact, Vance DeGeneres, whom Carell worked with at The Daily Show, is a producer at Carousel Productions and is an executive producer on Crazy Stupid Love. The Daily Show's Beth Littleford plays babysitter Jessica's mom in the film. Beth Littleford was a guest on the very first episode of Go Fact Yourself. All right, Yaakov, you did pretty well on that, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Yaakov, as we mentioned, the journey to the title of Crazy Stupid Love started as Untitled Marital Crisis Comedy, but when the movie was being shot, it was known as Untitled Dan Fogelman Project, referring to its screenwriter. This didn't sit well with the directors Glenn Ficarra and John Requa, who offered anyone on set a prize if they came up with the winning title. Ultimately, the title was taken from a cut line spoken by teen actor Jonah Bobo. So, for up to three points, what tech item, which had just been introduced by Apple less than three months before the first day of shooting in 2011, did the directors offer as a prize? What character did Jonah Bobo, who spoke the cut line that became the title, play? And what two different pieces of punctuation can be found in the final official title? Oh, um, 
Uh, the prize was a new iPhone. Okay. Uh, the character is son of Steve Carell's uh, uh, character. Okay. And Cal is mm -hmm. uh, Cal. Yeah. And yeah. the last one is punctuation, uh, period, and exclamation mark. All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight from Los Angeles are two writers and directors whose many films include directing Crazy Stupid Love. It's Glenn Ficarra and John Requa. Hello, Hi. Glenn and John. Hi. Hi, guys. Hi. Wow. Wow. So wonderful to see you. Yakov? Yes. It's great uh, to see people who created such a wonderful uh, piece of art that I, I enjoyed several times. Oh, great. You should, you should enjoy it again as much as possible. <laughs> I, I think I will, yes. Now that I have all the questions that I should have known <laughs> answered, then I will definitely. Well, my goodness, what a treat to welcome you. Uh, in addition to Crazy Stupid Love, which I'll talk about in a moment, you've also written and or directed films including Bad Santa, The Bad News Bears, I Love You, Philip Morris, Focus, Whiskey, Tango, Foxtrot, and along with TV like This Is Us and Rabbit Hole. Uh, again, incredible careers that you guys have had. Um, I understand that you met at Pratt. Uh, we've been talking a lot about collaboration this episode. How did you two start working together and collaborating? We met in college, uh, uh, Pratt in Brooklyn, which is an art school. And, um, you know, when you we go to art school, apparently you're supposed to take all these classes like drawing and painting. Oh, all that, things. Sounds, that sounds very unexpected when you go to an art school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we were just there for the film program. So we were expected to do these classes and that's how we met because we were the, the people uh, in, in, in those classes. We were united by incompetence. <laughs> and we stay, we stay united by incompetence. I'm, I'm joining you right now. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Come. Yeah, stand up to competence. That'll be our charity. Well, I'm curious, why do you direct together and how do you direct together? How do you divide who does what? Because there's so many decisions that a director has to make on a film. Uh, we've always worked together. We just were in school together and we and we got out of school and we just kept working together. And we, it's, it, we were so young and we've spent so much time together that we don't really know where our sensibilities begin and end. So oh. uh, fear is why we keep working together. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happens if you disagree on a decision to be made? Uh, some one of us has got to be more passionate. I mean, it's mm -hmm. and we are we know each other really well. We're best friends, so we know when the other one's more passionate and the, the other one just lays down. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about crazy, stupid love. Tell us about where you were in your careers at that point and how you got involved in that project. Oh, uh, we had uh, we had finished a long odyssey of making our first film, "I Love You, Philip Morris," with uh, Jim Carrey. Mm -hmm. The very it was a low budget movie and a labor of love, but it was a, a, essentially a movie about a con man. And when we went to the Sundance Film Festival with it, the owner of the film sold the movie to a con man. Oh, no. And as a result, the movie did not get released for a long time until wow. they could get it back. When they finally got it back, it was a little too late to get a theatrical, a good theatrical release because it was already on airplanes and played in Europe already. And the irony. I know. But when we were taking it around on the, we were kind of licking our wounds with that when we were at the Palm Springs Film Festival and just happened, our agent sent us the script for uh, Crazy Stupid Love, and which was untitled. 
marital crisis comedy. Yeah. And we <laughs> were rolled off the tongue, so we had to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were good friends with uh, Jeff Robinoff, who eventually became head of Warner Brothers. So he offered it to us. Very cool. And and what about it appealed to you uh, for your next project at the time? I liked it because it was a romantic comedy, but it was mostly told from a male perspective, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of rare at the time, I think. It kind of danced the line between being very sincere uh, and very, uh, what's the word, like a little meta about about certain yeah, cliches I, and things. I still say it. I think it, the movie is, uh, the script at least, was quietly subversive. Well said. Yeah. You know? Because it, it talks about the line between obsession and love. Right. Mm. Well, let's talk about the casting because the, the cast is just incredible. How, how did that come together and uh, who was attached from the get-go? Uh, um, Steve, Steve was the only one who was attached. Uh, although Jeff Robinoff said, hey, I got a crazy idea. What about Ryan Gosling? And we're like, well, that's that's weird. <laughs> and, uh, and we met with him and, and we're like, oh, this is what he's talking about. Because Ryan mm-hmm. is this guy. I mean, you spend two seconds with him and he's just like the guy. And Emma was always was a funny story. We had a caster and we did reading. She did a reading with with Ryan and and we were Ryan and, and Glenn and I and the writer uh, Dan Fogelman. Uh, we were all like, oh, she's our person. But we had to go to the studio and con- convince them, which I think is just hysterical if you think yeah. about it. We had to convince them to cast her. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, th- they had such incredible chemistry together, Gosling and, and Emma Stone. Um, we really see it in the montage of their first night together. Um, but I understand a lot of that wasn't in the original script. That was something that you guys helped create those wonderful moments. There's a lot, a lot of the jokes they sang in that sequence are stuff they would do on set. Yeah. Uh, just like joking around in between mm-hmm. takes. And we said, okay, do that thing you were doing about the coffee and do <laughs> that thing about this and yeah. do that thing about that. And our crew thought we had lost our mind. They, <laughs> they, we had almost a full crew revolt. And, uh, and, and Glenn and I were like, oh, it's great. And I mean, Emma and, Ra- and Ryan were like, uh, are you guys crazy? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. But it, it cut together really well. Yeah, I mean, to, to back it up, it was originally a montage over several uh, that took place over several dates, mm. which was a little bit of a cliche. We thought, mm-hmm. oh, is there a way we can do this all in kind of one go, like the night they fell in love? We just say, yeah, we'll just run the cameras. We'll just let them be them. And that's how it happened. I read that the uh, original cut was three hours. The second cut was about two and a half hours. Of course, the movie ends up being uh, about two hours. What, what were some of the hardest things to cut? Mm, what was uh, cut? You know, there, there's just a lot of dialogue. There was some extra scenes, the, I extra guess. Scenes. About... But, you know, you know, the great thing when you do comedy, and this is back, movies don't get tested that much anymore. Mm-hmm. And that, we took this movie and put it in front of an audience really early on, and when you're a filmmaker and you're watching your movie with an audience, you know where you're long, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and you cut it yeah. out because you, yeah, you don't, I'm you don't, sure you don't have any, you don't cry at all because you are like, uh, <laughs> you know, when it doesn't work, you yeah, know, you, you know. know it. Yeah. You know it. You I, trust the laughs. Yeah. I do it every show. If it doesn't, yeah. get, a, doesn't get a laugh, it doesn't stay. Yeah. 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 And that's you. you sometimes I, I, we all have this experience. Now you, you watch a movie, you're like, Boy, this they didn't put this in front of an audience because this thing is this will never end. Yeah. <laughs> we mentioned, of course, the movie was written by Dan Fogelman. You continued to work with him on This Is Us, and you've got another project that you're working on with him now. What can you tell us about that? Uh, it's called Paradise City. It's a it's it's primarily a drama, but it's got a big surprise uh, in it, and uh, it, it's starring Sterling Brown from uh, oh, This Is okay. Us. So yes. it's great to just sort of have the band back together and, and make some, some excellent. Fun. 
Well, we'll look forward to that. In the meantime, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Yakov. First, we want to know what tech item was offered by the directors, someone named Glenn Ficarra and John Riqua, on the set of Crazy Stupid Love to try to come up with a title. Helen, what did Yakov say? Yakov said a new iPhone. And uh, Glenn and John? Well, it's it's a it's a big a big iPhone. Uh, <laughs> we give him half a point. Why, the eye is, is right. It was an iPad. An iPad. All right, half a point though there for Yakov. Very nice. Next, we want to know what character did Jonah Bobo, who spoke the cut line that became the title, play? Helen, what did Yakov say? Yakov said the son of Steve Carell's character. And Glenn and John. That is correct. Yeah, that's correct. Great. So that is a point for Yakov. Very good. His name was Robbie, I understand. And finally, I wanted to know what two different pieces of punctuation can be found in the final official title. Helen, what did Yakov say? Yakov said a period and an exclamation point. And Glenn and John? It's half right. A period (laughs) and a comma. Period and a comma. Yeah. And and for the life of me, cannot remember why we did that. But we, (laughs) we felt very strongly at the time. You should have put an exclamation mark behind the point. Feel free. I feel like it's wherever I see it, uh, like if I see it on Netflix or I see it on, it's always different. Sometimes it has the punctuation, sometimes it doesn't. I actually don't think it even has it in the movie, in the in the actual movie. Yeah, in the actual movie oh. title, but yes, but in the yeah. in the uh, in the official releases and titles, it did it did have yeah. that. All right, half a point for Yakov. Uh, go ahead, Helen. I was going to say, do you want to give him the full point then, since it's so confusing? I I say that's a that's a fair because somewhere he's probably right. Wow, <laughs> Helen, yeah, that's true. Helen being a great representative for Yakov. I'm going to lose anyway. So what's oh, the yeah. point? I will say in the original line. Yeah, that, yes. jo- that Jonah said, or, or the character of Robbie said, he was talking about the babysitter, and he said, "I'm crazy, stupid, in love with her." And there was an exclamation point ah, in, the, so very... in the line. Okay, two well points, now no, two points, <laughs> <laughs> two points. I demand, I, de- I yell and shout. Two points. Uh, I understand uh, that on the set, when people would give suggestions, you had an interesting way of keeping tabs on that. Yeah, we we kept a, lo- a list. Our, our assistant kept a list, and then we had at some point we had a T-shirt made. Our wrap gift, I think, was a T-shirt with all the titles on it, which I still have. Oh, uh, very cool. It was I think we had two hundred suggestions, <gasps> and none of what? them, none of them was crazy, stupid love. Amazing, yeah. but all of them were wow. horrible. <laughs> I. I still would have voted for untitled marital crisis comedy. I'm not going to lie. I think it would have worked. <laughs> well, that title is still available, Helen. So for your next screenplay, you can take that. Yakov, while we have our experts here, anything you'd like to say or ask? Yes. As a stand-up comedian, I want to say I felt that what you were doing is putting it in front of the live audience because it was so tight that there was not a moment where it wasn't interesting. And so now that you explained that, I'm going, yeah, that makes sense because you cut out all the all this stuff that didn't work. Yeah, thank you. That's yeah. a high compliment. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for noticing. I mean, you know, I think it also helped that Steve Steve comes from, uh, you know, well, not necessarily stand up, but improv. And he knows yeah. it's the same kind of sort of process. I mean, I'm always in awe of stand up comics and how long it takes to actually hone a set. And uh, I mean. I can't imagine putting myself out well, there. Well, we don't we don't have to tell you comedy is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely it's a, punishing. It's it's a serious business. Yeah, yeah. That's, right. that's right. Well, Glenn and John, it's so wonderful that you joined us. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can they do that? 
Uh, I have a fax number. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, we're, uh, we we like to keep a low profile. You know, okay. We don't have social, to, I don't have social media. We we uh, stay away from social media as much right. as possible. Well, they definitely can go watch Crazy Stupid <laughs> Love again, which we all recommend. Thank definitely. you so much for joining us today. It's Glenn Fakira and John Requa. Bye bye. Thank Pleasure. you. Thanks, bye-bye. guys. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. So Thank much you. to meet you. Thank you all so much. Helen, what is our score as we go into the final round? At the end of that round, Salamisha Tillett has eight and a half points and Yakov Smirnov has five and a half points. All right. And now it is time for a final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Salamisha and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, please answer each statement with true or false. Here we begin. Salamisha, there's a music festival called Coachella. True. Correct. Yakov, there was a music festival called Woodstock. True. Correct. Salamisha, there was a music festival called Weedstock. False. Incorrect. No, there really was. I knew there was one. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) That's okay. Uh, Yakov, there was one called Fun Fest. True. Incorrect. Salamisha, there was one called Fun Fun Fest. True. Incorrect. Okay. (laughs) Yakov, there was one called Fun 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 Fest. True. Correct. Yes, it took three funds to make that festival. <laughs> Salamisha, there's one called Beep. True. Incorrect. Oh. Yakov, there's one called Honk. False. Incorrect. No, there is. Salamisha, there's one called Toot. False. Correct. Yakov, there's one called Wow. True. Correct. Salamisha, there's one called Whoa. Um, true. Incorrect. Yakov, there's one called Huh? False. Correct. And finally, Salamisha, there's one called, okay, I guess we're out of ideas for names for music festivals. False. <laughs> Correct. All right, we're not going to count those last few. I want to thank our guests, Salamisha Tillett and Yakov Smirnov, the doctors and professors, both as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to reveal the winner of today's episode? I am. At the end of the game, Salamisha Tillett has 10 and a half points and Yakov Smirnov has eight and a half points. Congratulations, Salamisha. You were the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. What will you do with your championship? Brag. Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> that's, that's good. I, I, that's really... That's all it's good for. Let's be fair. I think a lot of people, that's the actual answer. Very few will actually say it. Very nice. <laughs> all right. We're going to wrap up by giving everyone a chance to mention or promote anything they might like. Salamisha, tell it. Where can people find you and what you're up to? Um, at salamisha.com or on Instagram or here at Rutgers Newark. Excellent. So wonderful that you joined us today. Thank you so much. Salamisha, tell it. Uh, Yakov Smirnov, where can people find you and what you're up to? Uh, Instagram, Yaakov underscore Smirnov, uh, my website, Yaakov.com, and I am in Branson, Missouri, doing shows all the way through this year. Excellent. Well, it's so wonderful that you joined us as well. Thank you so much, Yaakov Smirnov. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Helen Hong. Helen, what are you going on? You can follow me on Twitter or whatever it's called now and Instagram <laughs> at Funny Helen Hong. I'm also back on Facebook at Helen oh. Helen Hong Comedian. Yeah, that's a, that's a new update. <laughs> <laughs> She's funny. She's a comedian. She's our Helen Hong. Wonderful. And me, you can find me on whatever Twitter is called at J underscore Keith or on all the other socials at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Helen Hong, Salamisha Tillett, Yakov Smirnov, Tricky Stewart, Kook Harrell, John Requa, and Glenn Fikera. And thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. 
Like what you hear? Come see us live. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook, follow us on all the socials at GoFactorPod, update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com, and buy our T-shaped shirt and mug-shaped mug at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like California News Junkie did on Apple Podcasts. He, she, or they said, I have loved this podcast from the beginning. First, I enjoyed learning new facts and the great humor. Now, I care about Jay Keith and Helen so much. Aww, thank you, California News Junkie. I care about people caring about us. Helen? Oh, I'm touched. We care about you too, California News Junkie. Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J.K. Fenstratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the world. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex, including Clint Tauscher. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor of General Hero Overall is Julian Burrell. Today's show engineer is Jeremy Beavers. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif. Quiz assistance provided by Leora Saul and Brian Phillips. Promotional graphics by Eric Tran. Added support from Dave Bianchi, Christine Velada, and Dave McKeever. Special thanks to Mark and Judy Stewart of MES Management. Dominic Garcia at Zaftig Films. Jesse Gaddis at RLM Public Relations. Brooke Finister and Leslie Cook. And Faith Saley. I've been Helen Hall. Let's go listen to Beyonce slash Rihanna. And watch Crazy Stupid Love, but not with a sick toddler in the background. No, that doesn't sound great. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.